As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Lugo winds and delivers. Swing and a long drive to right. Way back. Going, going. Gone. Goodbye. Into the second deck to the right of the Mets bullpen. A line shot of a home run in the second of the night for Soto. His fourth career multi-homer game. The Magic One has done it again. It's the Nationals three and the Mets two. Rodney from the stretch. 3-2 pitch. Swung on, hit in the air to deep right. Eaton going back. Going, going, and gone! I don't believe it. Luis Guillorme, a 156 hitter has just hit a pinch hit home run for his first major league home run. It's the Nationals three and the Mets three. Hit it here to deep right. Eaton moving back. He has a play and he makes the catch. He'll fire it in. It's deep enough to score the run. The throw will go to second. And the Mets with two runs home here in the bottom of the eighth lead by the score of four to three. Lugo has the sign over the head. He delivers to Parra. Strike three called a high fastball and Parra puts his hand up to say here it is. It's a high pitch. Gibson is cold at eye light long. Parra waves his hand in disgust. Hello and welcome into another post-game edition of the Racing Presidents podcast. And for the second straight night, Another heartbreaker for the Nationals in Flushing, New York, as they lose this one 4-3 to three to the Mets. It all comes apart in the eighth inning. I'm Tim Shovers in our Bethesda studios, joined on the phone live by Sam Fortier of the Washington Post, who covers the team, and he is live at City Field up in Queens. And Sam, uh, <laughs> second straight night that uh, the Nats fans get kicked you-know-where, and, and the Mets are so hot. They've won 15 of 16. They're just a half game back of the Nationals in the wild-card hunt. But I want your take on the crowd because it was 43,000 there tonight, and I hate the Mets more than any team, but I tip my cap to the New York fans when they bring it. In the last few nights, it really seems like the Mets fans have really brought it to this very important series. No, absolutely. I think City Field has been an unbelievable atmosphere the last two nights. And, you know, even last night's starter, Steven Strasburg, tonight's starter, Patrick Corbin, everyone has sort of remarked on, this is what, you know, it's August baseball, but this is what playoff baseball is supposed to feel like. And for the, you know, for the Mets fans to kind of show up and, and you know, they're on their feet from pitch one to to the end of the game. Um, and obviously the Mets have given them a chance uh, and a reason to, to stand up and cheer, but... Um, what we've seen, and, and Steven Strasburg and Patrick Corbin both said they want to see Nationals Park like that. Um, we haven't seen anything like this all season. This is my first season on the beat, so I'm not 
you know, I don't have the context of, of the playoffs to compare it to, but I mean, this is probably the best baseball environment I've seen all season from, from anywhere. So you're definitely right that that sets the tone. Yeah, I, as a non-New Yorker, I hate when New Yorkers get like the, the praise, but I do know that, that at times there's nothing like a New York baseball crowd, at least when it comes to MLB. So, uh, just, I do have to tip my cap there, but for the game itself, we fast forward to, we'll start in the eighth inning where it was two to two entering, <laughs> entering the eighth and Juan Soto hit. They only listed it as 436 feet, but it was an upper deck shot. It looked like 556 feet off the bat. Exit velocity of 111 miles per hour. The Nats now lead three to two. We go to the bottom of the eighth, and it all comes apart for, for Fernando Rodney. And Sam, I felt watching live that before he gave up the homer to Luis Guillerme, uh, that you could tell Fernando Rodney didn't have his stuff. Did you and everyone in the press box sort of feel the same way? Uh, I didn't feel the same way. I thought Fernando was actually hitting his spot. Obviously, he worked a, a full count against Guillerme. And, it, you know, it didn't seem like, I mean, obviously, this kid's 24 years old, young. He's never hit a major league home run before. This seems like, you know, against the bottom of the order, this seems like a, a logistical, a logical situation to put Fernando Rodney. And obviously, you can you can argue after the fact, and you can be like, okay, well, maybe you should have gone with Daniel Hudson instead. But I don't think Rodney was the wrong choice at the time. Um, obviously, it looks like that now. And, and asked about what the future of his eighth inning role is going to be, Dave Martinez sort of said, uh, I have to be careful with these guys. Hunter Strickland just spent four months on the injured list um, with a right lat strain, so you can't burn him too hard. I mean, he pitched seventh inning. He, he did it in nine pitches, retired the side in order, but you can't throw a guy back out there like that. Uh, Daniel Hudson, he didn't, he didn't want to burn him, and obviously got Doolittle on the ninth. So it looks like, and obviously Tanner Rainey, I guess, is not a factor there, but so it looks like Daniel Hudson or Fernando Rodney will pitch the eighth, and he didn't. Dave Martinez didn't commit either way, um, but he said, you know, one of those guys, it sounds like he'll figure it out. Yeah, so he gives up the homer. Two next two guys get on. Hudson comes in. Hudson doesn't give up a hit, but he gives up a sacrifice fly. Nats take the league. Seth Lugo stays in the game, which was kind of surprising because, you know, he pitched the eighth and gave up the, the homer to Soto. And uh, the final two strikeouts, Sam, uh, very questionable third strike calls by home plate umpire Trip Gibson. What were uh, what were the Nationals saying after the game about the strike zone? The Nationals talked about the strike zone in the sense that if you're going to have uh, a little bit wider of a strike zone, then you just have to adjust to it. I think it might have been a little wider today than, than the strike zone maybe should it be by parameters, but I think it it seemed to me at least that it was it was pretty consistent where he was getting those pitches. Victor Robles' at bats I think was a pretty good example of this. I mean, he, he got sliders down and away uh, repeatedly. And, you know, just on the on the bottom edge, uh, bottom corner, they were getting called. And, and I think that's one of the examples of, of okay, an umpire saying this is what I'm going to call. So the, the last strike calls, uh, I didn't think were a huge deal. I think that I might be um, in the minority there. I, I just really you don't are. like to pin, pin games <laughs> on umpires. <laughs> I, I don't like to complain about the officiating. I think it's, you know. Everybody gets the same, uh, but uh, yeah, that, that's just my call. Yeah, I uh, so I thought the Robles one was, I thought it was a ball, but it was close. I thought the Parra one was more egregious. Uh, I don't like to complain about umps or officials either, but I thought, I thought especially, you know, back-to-back and you end the game on that was a tough way uh, for the Nats to go down. Patrick Corbin tonight, eight strikeouts in six innings, 94 pitches. He was lifted for a pinch hitter. Andrew Stevenson in the top of the seventh. Uh, I thought he had really good stuff tonight, but I also, Sam, want to know your take on this. I thought Davey Martinez pulling him after six innings showed you 
the confidence that he has in a new look bullpen because I feel like a few months ago Corbin stays in to pitch the seven. I, I don't even. I, I see what your point, and I and I think that you're right on there. I think Dave Martinez in a tie game is just thinking I need to get some offense at the plate. I need to give my team the best chance uh, to to score a run here. Um, and Corbin at 94, that that's pretty borderline. I think. You're right that, that the new bullpen emboldens him to, to make that move. I don't know if it's the decisive reason, but the fact that, you know, and even even last night when the bullpen comes in um, and gets through the eighth and, and gets too little the ball in the ninth, I mean, obviously, you know what happened there, but that's sort of an aberration. But, yeah, for him to have options uh, in Strickland, in Hudson, in Rainey, I mean, yeah, that's that's sort of the thing that I think that bullpen allows you to do. Uh, the Mets have hit a ton of homers so far in these two games. They're kind of like the perfect version of 2019 baseball, a team who either strikes out or hits homers. Uh, I do have to ask you, though, with the Nationals at second base, as Drupal Cabrera got the start tonight, he left-handed hitter facing a right-handed pitcher and Noah Syndergaard. Is there a new platoon sort of coming on? Are they going to platoon Cabrera or Dozier, or am, uh, am I overreacting to some of the lineup cards this week? Right. From my understanding, it won't be a strict platoon. I think Brian Dozier is a guy that thrives on, on the everyday. I mean, that's the sort of the guy who, if he hits 20 home runs in a season, he'll hit five in a week and he'll hit six in 10 days or whatever. I think you've got to kind of ride with him to hit those, to hit those hot spots. If they do roll with a platoon, which I think is, is still possible, I just don't think it's, we've ruled either way. Um, I mean, that definitely, I think, would be effective for the Nationals. Um, because it also gives you stability on defense, too. It gives Dozier a veteran uh, more days off, especially in a long season, um, you know, stretches through the dog days of August, and then some high-intensity days, or what looks like will be high-intensity days in September. Um, so I guess short answer to your question, I wouldn't call it a platoon yet, but I think that's definitely possible. Yeah, they have similar batting averages. Cabrera entered the night hitting 236, Dozier's hitting 233. So if you have Dozier... In a platoon, that does add a strong bat off the bench, so that's something to watch for. Uh, pre-game, we had an update on Max Scherzer. Can you give us a quick version on what's the latest with Scherzer? So Scherzer threw a bullpen today for the first time since he made his second trip to the IL after his July 20th starting in Colorado. Uh, and I think that I think what you're going to see from here is is Max Scherzer really wants to know how he's going to feel tomorrow. Um, he said that it's a really big deal uh, how he recovers. It's not a thing that he feels when he pitches. If he pitches, he feels fine. It's just the recovery is slow. He can't really get that. He can't really get himself back up. So he said he'll, he'll evaluate that Sunday morning, see what happens then. Martinez said that he didn't, um, he's not sure if, if Scherzer will need a rehab start or if he'll be okay to just come back. But uh, I think this is going to be a pretty decisive next 24 hours to kind of see where he's at after all these stops and starts. Good news for Nats fans on a, on a pretty bleak night. The Braves lost as well. They also lost a heartbreaker. They're up 6-2 to two in Miami. Their new-look bullpen absolutely blew it. They lose in 10 innings. So the Nats remain 6.5 back. But, again, they're just a half game ahead of the Mets, who have now leapfrogged the Phillies, and the Phillies are now actually in fourth place. Uh, and then we look ahead towards tomorrow, and as the Nats look to avoid getting swept for the second time this year in City Field, Anibal Sanchez against Jacob DeGrum. Uh, Sam, <laughs> this is as hard of a matchup as it gets for the Nats as DeGrum has been lights out the past few months. Absolutely. I think this is sort of the nightmare scenario. I mean, in, in, in losing these last two games, you set yourself up in a position where to avoid a sweep, you need your third starter, fourth starter when everyone's healthy, to beat the reigning NL Cy Young award winner 
to stop, you know, to at least salvage one game of the series and, and not potentially get leapfrogged in the wild card itself. I mean, that's a pretty bleak scenario uh, for the Nationals fans to pick up to. And, and the fact that they're in this position at all um, is sort of, I would say, you know, twilight zone. Did you see the Orioles score tonight by chance? I heard it was twenty to two at one point. Twenty three to two was the final, and Carlos Correa oh hit a homer by the Cal Ripken statue, which apparently is yeah. like maybe the longest homer in Camden Yards history. I'm not sure, but they got absolutely destroyed. The best team in baseball beat one of the worst teams in baseball. Uh, usually, you don't see a score by that margin. Final thing before we go: uh, Where are you meeting your Syracuse friends tonight? Any late night eat spots for you in Queens? <laughs> Oh man, I'm trying to get back to Manhattan to find that out right now. I'm not exactly sure, but uh, but I'm sure there's a spot. Have you had Joe's Pizza ever in Manhattan? No, no. Is that a, is that a spot I got to hit? Yeah, it's by Union Square. I don't know where you're going to, where your hotel is, but I had it last time I was up there. It's it's probably the best quick slice I've had in Manhattan. Joe's Pizza. Okay, uh, I'm in. It's a one ten first pitch, ten thirty clubhouse tomorrow. So I'm sure we can get something. Yeah, you'll figure it out. Right. Well, Sam, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Well, I want to thank Sam for calling us in from New York. Before we go, I want to remind you to listen to the Redskins Talk podcast. Another podcast dropped from Richmond today as they're breaking camp soon. And the next preseason game is Thursday at home against Cincinnati. Well, the Nats look to avoid the sweep on Sunday afternoon. Animal Sanchez takes him out against the Mets. Jacob Tregrump. For Sam, this is Tim. We'll talk to you soon, everyone. The kick, and here it comes. Swing and a high fly ball to deep center field. Lagar is going back, way back to the warning track, looking up, and it is gone. Goodbye! Over the center field wall to the left of the Big Apple. Juan Soto has homered for the second straight night here in New York. Last night, he takes Marcus Stroman deep. This time, his first career home run off Noah Syndergaard. A two-run shot with two out of the top of the first. His 23rd round tripper of the year. Bang! Soon goes Soto. It's the Nationals two. And the Mets nothing.